Have you ever wondered why podcasters podcast? There are some very good reasons, which if you understood them, might leave you wondering why you left it for so long. This week, my guest is Stacey Harris, owner of Uncommonly More, a podcast production company focusing on personal brand business owners who know exactly where the value in podcasting is to be found. And she's going to break it down right here, just for you. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur show. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, take a second now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community at amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along, and let's meet Stacy. So this week, I'm thrilled to welcome Stacey Harris to the show. And if you don't know Stacey, you will in a moment. We are going to be talking about lots of stuff that I'm really looking forward to because it's an indulgence for me. I'm not going to lie. So Stacey, welcome to the show. Why don't you start just by introducing a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really excited. I always like getting to get, get in and, and chat with other podcasters. So it's an indulgence for me as well. I'm Stacey Harris. I own a production, a podcast production agency called Uncommonly More. Uh, my team and I help podcasters take the podcast production to do's off their list so that they can focus on using that content strategically uh, to actually grow their business and see results because Funny enough, results rarely come from just focusing on growth, but often come on being more strategic about what kind of content is actually produced, how the content is produced, uh, and how the podcast is actually targeted to the right listeners instead of just getting as many listeners as possible. And so I spend all day, every day, (laughs) listening to podcasts and thinking about podcasts, uh, which works out really well because my background, my degree is actually in audio engineering. I've been in business about 10 years. And so it it's it's a lot of fun and I like that and I have a great team uh, supporting me in getting these shows out into the world. We produce about 40 hours a month right now of podcasts, which wow. is a really good time. That is a lot of podcasts. Luckily, we produce shows I actually enjoy listening, like the kind of shows I like listening to, so it's helpful. <laughs> and you're in Irvine, California. I am. I live in Orange County, California in Southern California. You were my second conversation in Irvine this week, like yesterday. Really? I was Yes. I was speaking to Neil Schaefer yesterday, and he's also in Irvine. Mm-hmm. You must be neighbors. Practically. <laughs> <laughs> so, podcasting. Anybody who knows me knows podcasting has changed everything for me. I don't really share with my audience about what I do very often, but I remember before the podcasts, my business was really quite different, and a lot of people think when they listen to a podcast it's just a gift to the world they don't realize what you get from the podcast as a podcaster for me the network that I've built through the podcast has been incredible what I've learned from every single guest has been the kind of education you couldn't get from any university you you, honestly you could not pay for it even if you wanted it podcasting is ridiculously valuable as an activity but I think you take it for your clients much, much further because it's also a very time-consuming enterprise. And I remember the day I stopped editing the podcast myself. I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to do with all this time? <laughs> so first off, like I have so many places I could go in a conversation with you. But I guess what I'd like to know first off is who is it that you work with 
predominantly. What does a typical client look like for you? So first of all, at some point, we must talk about the relief that is editing the podcast, even as somebody who has a background in editing, when I finally handed mine off to my team, which took much longer than um, I should probably tell people. (laughs) But it is, it's this epic, like, oh my gosh, this is how our clients feel. Now I get it. Like, this is why they like us so much. Because it is, it is an epic relief. It's like, it's like finding time just hidden somewhere. It's amazing. Or that feeling of putting on a winter coat and finding like 20 bucks in the pocket. You're like, oh, wow, this is exciting. But the kind of clients we work with are very much so building a podcast to share information, either their own information or and or the information from guests. But they're really looking to serve a very specific niche. They're really looking to serve a very specific group of people around something also fairly specific. So we work with a lot of podcasters who are coaches and consultants and really trying to teach and lead their audiences. Um, A perfect example of a show we produce is a guest you had on your show, Tara Newman of the Bold Money Revolution. Uh, We produce her podcast and that's a a shining example of the podcasts we produce. They're ones really built to encourage their listeners to do something, to create something for themselves. And that happens to also be a gateway to work with Tara in a larger way. It happens to be a way that you can get to know her. So when she sits down and she says, hey, I think the best option for you might be this program or this opportunity, you know, like, and trust that that opportunity is going to be the right opportunity for you. And so that is probably the best example we can give is, is really business owners who are coming in and saying, let me show you how we can start getting clear on what your problem is on where your frustrations lie and start giving you some early solutions, some early wins so that when you're ready to the next, take that next step, you know exactly who to take it with. So something that I'm often asked, and for me, I think I'm often asked about ROI. And for me, the return on investment is lots of intangibles. It's, I kind of described a lot of that a moment ago, but a lot of people, they're not, when they're coming to podcasting, interested in the personal development side of it or the network side of it. They're more interested in it from a, how can this make a contribution to my business in the short to medium term or even the long term? They're looking at client growth. They're looking at deals. They're looking at the hard cash side of it. That's something I've been frankly terrible with. I've never pitched my audience anything and I'm okay with that, but a lot of people aren't. So how do you work with your clients sort of beyond the podcast production more into the podcast strategy how they how they fold that into the business and first i i want to say the short-term cash wins are very likely not going to happen the the best cash wins are going to be long term uh i i highly 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 recommend recognizing the intangible wins you know one of the intangible wins that really helps your business's bottom line is you create really shareable content you create something that's really easy for me to text a friend and say hey listen to this and that's an intangible win that's not generating cash in the bank on episode three but is absolutely impactful and helpful to your business but we do we we look at content and podcasting very strategically what is the purpose of releasing this episode. And and we do that not only for the business and the podcasters growth financially, but also that's how we get the audience 
real value. That's how we serve the people listening is we know why we're releasing that episode. I talk to podcasters a lot and I say, hey, you know, why did you put out this episode last week? And they said, well, because it was Tuesday. And on Tuesdays, we release a podcast. (laughs) And that's not the right answer. The right answer is because I know that we've got XYZ program coming up and we want to make sure that that program is easily identified as the right fit for our audience. So we're making sure that on our podcast content, we're answering the questions they would have before purchasing that program. Like, is this really the problem I'm facing? Is this really my frustration? Can I figure out how to solve it? Whatever those questions might be. I'm not just talking about like, is there a payment plan? But really earning the trust of the people who are going to be buying that program, leading them on a journey to their solution. And I think that so often we get caught up in, and this happens a lot when you when you get stuck in that to-do list. You get so caught up in the production of your show and just getting another episode out because you committed to a weekly podcast that you forget the strategy side of it. And so we talk a lot about where we're trying to get people. I always, always, always ask my clients the same three questions. What are we selling? Who are we selling it to? And how are we selling it to them? And that how could be, I need to get them on a one hour sales call because what we're selling them is a high-end mastermind that's 12 months long and who we're selling is six, nearly seven figure business leaders. Those are the potential clients. Like, great. So we need to give them the information that helps them identify that you're the person they want to be on a call with to get their support for 2021 or 2022 or whatever the year may be. And those three questions, if you can't answer those in regards to your episode, if the the episode you're putting out does not reflect the answers to those three questions, it's not an episode worth putting out. We think of episodes as assets. How will this be an asset to the business? How will this be an asset to the listener? That makes perfect sense. I guess on a more practical level, if you are selling, say, a mastermind or you're selling a coaching program or or even a course a lot of podcast episodes a podcast episode isn't around for a week like a tv show back in the 80s it's around (laughs) it's around for a long time Mm -hmm. and people will be listening to this episode in three months in six months Mm -hmm. now a lot of these products they are evergreen people can step in all the time i guess the question i'm trying to ask but not managing to articulate is how do you fold in the actual hey you might like this product I know it's a it's an awkward question it's probably different for every podcaster but it's something that I think is probably an art to introduce a pitch for a product in a way that doesn't sort of interrupt the flow of value that you're bringing does that question make sense it makes total sense and 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 I actually believe it is a really simple answer I believe that the biggest mistake podcasters make is they get too focused on what they want to talk about instead of what their audience is coming to them to hear. Hmm. And when you are consistently putting out content that is built to answer the questions of the people who you want to sell the thing to around what you're going to sell them, it becomes a really natural fit. You know, when I come into a show and... I'm talking about, you know what, let me pull this back. Let's actually give give ground examples. I have an episode coming out next week that is called Why I Treat My Podcast Like, my, like a Premium Offer in My Business. And I talk about 
why I respect and and put time and effort and money and energy into my podcast in the same way I would show up for a client who's paying us a monthly retainer to produce their show. And in doing that, I'm able to very clearly articulate why it matters, what the payoff is, how that looks in my business. I also am really honest in that episode about how there have been times that I haven't done that because I've been caught up in in whatever else and been really transparent and honest with the listener. And it allows me to really easily then slide into sort of living by example and saying, hey, here's what I do in the context of what I'm going to sell you. Here's how I lean on the team. Here's how uh, the team supports me when I'm in these places. Here's how we're making these strategic decisions. And so when I then go, and if you'd like some support with this, here's how you do that. Head over to uncommonlymore.com. It's not unexpected. It feels very natural in the conversation because it's in the context of the conversation we've been having. Where it gets difficult to do is if I were to bring on an expert in underwater basket weaving and then say, oh, by the way, if you're interested in underwater basket weaving, here's how we can produce your podcast. And (laughs) that's where we've got to be really clear again on what are we selling them? Why are they paying attention? What's the reason that person subscribed to you What's the reason that person downloaded that episode? What's the reason they hit play? What's the reason they let it keep playing? Because you're literally needing to get them to buy in minute to minute, right? We've got to keep them on the show. Well, that happens when we're really paying attention to the needs of the listener and what they showed up for. Ahead of, this is what I think would be really interesting to talk about. I've done 504 episodes of my podcast. If I exclusively talked about only things I wanted to talk about, it would basically be one big podcast about Schitt's Creek and West Wing. That would be it. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be really hard for me to segue into, hey, let me produce your show. Uh, And so instead, we regularly speak to the questions that show up in strategy calls, that show up with clients. Uh, that show up when I go into groups and I'm a guest expert and answer questions. I take all of those and I take them to the podcast and that's what I build my content around. So when I go to make the pitch, it's a logical next step and not a pattern interrupt. Yeah, that pattern interrupt is exactly what I was concerned about that I think you it needs to be, it needs to be normal, it needs to be natural. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think like a lot of things, it'll only become normal and natural when you start doing it. <laughs> and I think, yeah, for the listener, I'm sorry, this was all about me. Okay. <laughs> hey, when I still had guests on my show, I, I started every episode with, by the way, I've invited so-and-so onto the show so that I could have a consulting call with them. You get to listen in. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to delete that. But yeah. <laughs> so podcasting within the digital marketing spectrum, the way I often describe where it fits in, because a lot of people will be thinking, podcasting or Facebook ads or LinkedIn or oh my god I'm confused the way I often help people understand how to put all this together is to think of it as an investment portfolio you've got a short-term investment you've got paid traffic and you've got ads that kind of thing medium-term investment you've got social media social content long-term investment super high interest rates podcasting blogging YouTube that's how I help people understand it and you're right it's a long-term play you shouldn't expect a short-term ROI but you've been doing it for five years. So 
tell me about the long-term gains of podcasting for anybody that's listening. If they want to know, okay, if they, if they, if they are in it for the long haul, if they want to bring value to an audience over a long period of time, what could they expect? So there are a couple of things to expect. One, when you go to events, people will be like, oh, hey, you're that person I listen to. And they will walk up to you and act like the, you are already friends and you totally know who they are, even though you don't. <laughs> because you have been in their car with them every day. You have been on the train with them every day. You've been on their dog walks with them every day, whatever the case may be. Uh, and so that's a really, that's probably my favorite thing to expect. I have a really good time with that. My, my inner extrovert gets very happy when that happens. I remember the first time somebody, it's actually only happened once, the first time. I was introduced as Bob Gentle at a bar at an event in London and somebody said, the Bob Gentle? I loved that. It's only ever it's happened so good. once. It's so good. My favorite is I was at a, uh, a conference and I was going up an escalator and they were going down an escalator and they saw me and they went, oh my God, you're the Stacey Harris. And I was like, Yes, I am. <laughs> like, I don't, I have no idea how to respond to this and look cool. I just think this is fun. <laughs> we just, we just, it was hands down one of my favorite things that has happened as a result of this podcast. It was, Sorry, it was a really good time. Uh, but also we all have people who come in and out of our sort of bubble as they need us or don't need us. And so it's really cool because now after it's actually been seven years since I launched the show after seven years of podcasting I regularly have people who say I've been listening to your show since the beginning and now I'm ready to invest now I'm ready to do this because they've been evolving and growing and starting over and whatever with their business and so when they got to that place where they were ready to do it, they were ready to do it. They were all in because they've been with me and they've stayed with me until they were ready. And I get to work with people who I've known since their business looked completely different than their business did does now because they are in my Instagram DMs and they've joined in webinars or whatever the thing may be. They've emailed me, whatever the things may be. And so we've, we've sort of stayed in touch and, and now it's paying off into business. And it also pays off in referrals before they're ready, which is really wonderful. But it, I think the relationship I build, I'm a very people first kind of marketer. I'm a very people first kind of salesperson. I'm a very people first kind of podcaster. And so I think for me, the coolest thing about having been in this show for so long and doing this for so long in a weird way I feel like my listeners and I have grown up together because the show doesn't sound anything like it did in 2013 thank heavens and my business even looks different and so do their business and so do they and so do I and so in this in this weird way it's like we have kind of grown up together uh, and that for me is really really fun and it happens to also you know pay all my bills which is cool so when you started your podcast, mm -hmm. I think something that I think holds a lot of people back is perfectionism and imposter syndrome and, oh, I could never do that. It's actually, if you take a step to the left and you look at that from the outside, it's ego that they can't allow themselves to be a beginner or suck at something. Is there somebody that when you meet them and somebody says, oh, you should do a podcast, you're kind of gut tells you they should just not do a podcast and what does that person look like i i think you know i can't think of anybody who i've run into and i've said absolutely no 
I think if you are stuck in the idea that podcasting has to look a certain way, if you are somebody who is uncomfortable with an evolution of something and living through the evolution of it, podcasting is not the thing for you. Because one of the things I love most about podcasting is Quite honestly, my show does not look the same as it did episode one. It doesn't look the same as it did episode 100 or 200 or 300 or even 400. It's one of the things I talked about when we celebrated the 500th episode uh, in October is my show changes probably every year, at least a little, because it is in a lot of ways its own kind of living and breathing thing. And I, I think there absolutely are people who want to be able to sort of hand stamp and and predictably do the same old, same old. And podcasting in a lot of ways is still as an as a space and as an industry and as a, a content type and as a medium is still evolving so much. And if you're not going to be comfortable leaning into that and making those those evolutions, uh, podcasting is not for you. I think the only other time I've said that to somebody is they didn't know why they wanted to start a podcast. If you want to start a podcast because someone told you it was a good idea or you were at a conference or heard somebody on a podcast say, absolutely, everybody needs a podcast, start one right now. And that's the reason you give me for when I ask you, why do you want to start a podcast? I will also tell you no. Because if you don't know why, it is too much work. It is absolutely <laughs> monumentally too much effort. Uh, if you don't know what the payoff is for you. Uh, and the payoff doesn't have to be it'll grow my business. The payoff doesn't have to be I'm going to get 100 leads a week, which, by the way, is not going to happen at the beginning of your podcast. And depending on the kind of business you have, may not ever happen. But if it can be because I want to have really cool conversations with incredible people who are experts at the thing they do. Awesome. But you have to give me some other kind of why than someone said I should do it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Another thing that I remember when I started my podcast, and anybody who starts podcasting, you need to be aware of this. When you launch your podcast, you're launching it into a vacuum. Nobody mm -hmm. knows about your podcast. You have no subscribers. There are things you can do at the beginning to try and give it the best chance possible, but very likely for a long time. I remember, to be serious, I remember the day I got a download every single day. I was thrilled. Mm -hmm. One, now it's doing really fine. But I think this the first week when you launch your podcast, you, you get to set the tone, particularly with the Apple Podcasts algorithm. How much of a difference does it make when somebody gets professional help on day one rather than on month four? You know, I think the only real big help, if I'm completely honest, and I probably should be less honest than I'm about to be, but I think the only real big help is there's someone to help you moderate your stress about it. There is mm. someone to hold you back when you want to go check your stats for the 14th time in three and a half hours. Because the reality is, is podcasting, whether you get support or not, is a, a long-term game. It will take time to grow. It will take effort to grow. Now, there are incredible benefits in, in working with a production team and working with experts uh, because they'll help you build the assets you need to better market your show. When you take off the the to-do list of editing and show notes creation and those kind of things, you have more time to actually show up and market your show in different places, either by being a guest on other podcasts or sharing it on social or writing emails to your list or whatever the thing may be that you're doing to, to promote your show, you know, paying with paid advertising, whatever it may be. But 
I don't ever want an inability to get help to hinder someone from starting a show. The bulk of our clients that come in have been running their podcast on their own for six to 12 months, sometimes longer. And now they've sort of reached a point where there's a proof of concept. They know that their show works. They know they like being in it. They know it generates interest with their audience. Uh, they know it's resonating with their, the people who they actually want buying and who they actually want to work with. And so now they're ready to make that investment in getting some real support and help around the production of their show. And that's as valid and supportive and fantastic as getting support from day one, which we've also done with clients. But it's not necessarily going to guarantee that more people show up to the party early. It will still take time to really see results from your show. So let's maybe look at those results. I think it was Kevin Kelly who wrote a book. I think it was a book. I'm not sure. 1,000 True Fans, mm -hmm. where he's talking about if you have 1,000 True Fans, people who love you, and you can provide enough value that you can charge $100 a month from each person, you have an incredible business. Mm -hmm. So when you hear about podcasts of 20, 30, 40,000 downloads a month, you don't need that, really. Mm -mm. And I'm curious to know across the podcasts, because as a podcaster in isolation, I don't know what normal looks like in terms of monthly downloads. You probably do know what normal does look like. And for any one business owner, you don't necessarily need a ridiculous number of monthly downloads to have a business. But how do you benchmark a podcast's downloads. So if the po if anybody's listening as a podcaster or is thinking, what's normal? What could they or should they expect in terms of monthly downloads as a benchmark? I love this question. And I'm so glad you asked it because it's actually a lot lower than most people think. Libsyn actually released numbers on their podcast just a couple of months ago here in 2020. And if your podcast per ep like your episode, let's say episode one goes out, and that episode over the course of its 30 day, its first 30 days gets more than 120 downloads. You're doing better than half the shows currently hosted by Libsyn. I'm walking around the room high-fiving everyone. <laughs> like, I think we just all acknowledge that most of you probably have more successful shows than half the shows on Libsyn. So I think we hear a lot about people who have 40 and 50 and 100,000 downloads per month. And that's great for them. I'm, I'm real excited. However, that's not the norm. That is sort of like, you know, in commercials when they when they have something like results might not be typical. That is the not results might not be typical. We see most of our shows who are actually generating a real consistent business for our clients sitting at 2,000, 5,000, 8,000 or 10,000 downloads per month. All Which of them, is, every single one of them, run multi-six-figure businesses. Right. And I think as a target, that's perfectly achievable. It absolutely yeah. is. And and that, by the way, for especially some of those smaller shows that are generating multi-six-figures in revenue for clients, they're not doing paid advertising. They're consistently showing up with strategic value, and they're doing what they need to do to organically and consistently market their show they're serving the people who they want buying not just trying to get more people to listen 
I think so often we get caught up in this idea of more, more, more when it comes to listeners, when in reality, oftentimes what we can end up doing is diluting our actual audience. And so, yes, we're seeing a large increase in downloads because maybe we're talking about a slightly broader subject or maybe we're talking to people who sit slightly outside of our ideal clients, but we're not actually seeing the numbers move as far as inquiries coming in or sales calls being booked or programs being purchased. And so I always recommend podcasters keep those numbers together. And one of the questions I ask every time I get on a sales call or I have a conversation with someone is, how did you hear about me? And I would say nine times out of 10, it's a friend shared your podcast with me and I've been binging it and I knew we had to talk. I knew we needed to sit down. Yeah, I, I kind of recognize that. Not as much as we'd like, but I kind of recognize it. <laughs> You gotta um, consistently make offers inside the podcast so people know to do it. Yeah. So another place I wanted to go was podcasting. When you, if you don't do it, you think you just record something, you do a little bit of editing, you press publish, you walk away. There are so many moving parts mm -hmm. from researching and booking guests through to, as you said, the show notes and transcriptions and putting it up on the website. How much of that workflow outside of simply showing up and doing the recording do you typically take off people's shoulders? We take everything from you hitting the record button to it being ready to market off your plate. So we're doing all of the editing. We're helping you create your intro music, your outro stuff, any mid-rolls or commercials. We're, we're actually batching those with clients so that they don't even necessarily have to worry about the pitch within the episode. We're creating show notes, generally timestamped or in transcription, depending on the client. We're uploading it to the host. We're creating the SEO optimized title and description for the host so that it goes out into all of the places. We're, of course, making sure that our clients' shows are set up to be released in as many places as possible. One of our big projects for 2020 was getting everybody in Pandora and Amazon Music. I spent a lot of time going through that process <laughs> this year because they've opened up things. We're creating audiograms. We're uploading everything to the website, getting your actual show notes on your website set up. Graphics, basically we hand back to the client. Here is a square audiogram, a story audiogram, square graphic, uh, website graphic, your link to your show notes, your story sized graphic. So that you, all you then do is go share your show with your audience. You know, write your email, write your social copy, post these things. That's all you need to do is, is tell people it's out. Everything from after you hit the record button to it's time to share it, we take off your plate. I think that's a really comprehensive service. And I think what, what people need to remember is the value of their time. Because you're doing a podcast because you're great at something. and People love you for something. They don't love you for your editing. They don't love you for your ability to create an audiogram. That's not anybody's best use of time, unless that's your zone of genius, as it is for your team. So that makes perfect sense. I'm going to ask a, a cheeky question. Oh, I'm ready. And, and if the question is too cheeky, I will go back and take it out. But as a podcaster, I'm thinking, you know what? I can't, I'm done with all this stuff. I'm going to go and speak to Stacy. What does an entry-level engagement with Stacy look like in terms of cost? So we don't actually have an entry-level option. You work with us or you don't work with us. Because I'm <laughs> a big believer that... 
you're going to get the best value if we take it all off your plate. And so that what I just described to you is $1,200 a month. It requires a 12-month commitment. And what we do is that also includes a quarterly call where you and I get together and we go, do we need any new music? Do we need any new mid-rolls? We help finalize your content calendar. We say, hey, what are you selling in that next quarter? Let's make sure that the episode content plans you have are going are gonna to serve that goal. We also put all of our clients in a, we use Monday as our project management. And so they're actually in there with us so that we're helping them stay on track and batch their episodes and stay ahead, which is also really supportive. Uh, And we also collect stats in there. So it's really easy for our clients to see very quickly how their episodes do day one, day seven, day 14, and day 30, all in one dashboard. We're essentially building them a dashboard. And like I said, that is $1,200 a month and it requires a 12-month commitment with us. It really is that simple. I don't like piecemealing it because I think sometimes we spend so much time going, okay, well, like if I do this and this, that'll work. And we end up still having to be in it. And I really want to put our clients in a position where they're not stuck in any of the mud of podcasting. They are staying very firmly in serving their audience, recording the content, sharing the content with their audience. Everything in the middle can be someone else's problem. See, I love the way you've, it's it's a very brave way to build out your product offering really where yeah this is us we do one thing you want that if, if you want something it's a compromise on that yeah go somewhere else yep that is because from a productivity perspective you guys know exactly what you're doing every single day you're doing the same thing for everyone yep. so you can be awesome at that that's a really neat way to do things well and i think it really serves our clients because this is what we we do the same thing every day in the same way and so you also know that you're stepping into a system that is built to support you and is being tested by not just you, but me. This is how my show runs. My team runs my show the same way we run every client's show. In fact, I'm frequently the least favorite client because I am usually the worst (laughs) at being like, well, what if I just did it like a few days late (laughs) because I'm in, in production mode for somebody else. But when, you're doing that, you know, you're really stepping into a system you can trust. You are feeling really protected in, I know the show's going to go out. I know what's going to happen needs to happen is going to happen. And you're really handing it over to the experts. Again, this is what we do day in, day out. This is what works best. I've been doing this a while now. Uh, and, and that that's not the right fit for everybody. Like I said, absolutely. That's why we're not the only game in town. Find the best fit for you. And if DIYing it for a while is the best fit for you, cool. I've got a whole five-day challenge called Launch Your Podcast that literally teaches you how to build your launch strategy, what you're going to need to launch, how to make the most of the beginning of your episodes. We're going to be releasing an up-level version soon. DIY it if you need to DIY it right now. Just do it as effectively as you can. We've got a whole podcast episode where I spelled out, here's what we do. I do this, so-and-so does this, so-and-so. This is our podcast system. Go steal it. Go use it. I want podcasters to be doing this as efficiently and as effectively as possible, whether you're ready to work with us or not. I I guess I'm stumbling over my words there. I speak to people all the time that talk about starting a podcast, but they never Mm -hmm. quite get there. So I'm quite excited to share your sort of start your podcast challenge thing but tell me about the up leveling thing because i think a lot of people i know a lot of podcasters 
listen to this show and they're almost accidental podcasters. They're podcasting, they've reasonably successful shows now, but they are where they are. And a lot of podcasters work in isolation. So what what would the level up thing look like? I know you're not quite ready for that yet, but yeah, who, who's that for and what are the options for leveling up? So the level up actually speaks to more what we what we do most often for clients. Like I said, most of our clients have been around for a while and, and exactly as you say, they're kind of, they are where they are. They're seeing some success, but it's not, it's not blowing the doors off. It's, they know it could be better. More often, they know it could be better for them as an experience as a podcaster, like just, can I have time back kind of thing. Uh, and so when we talk about up-leveling a podcast, a lot of what we're talking about is actually less about here's the right mic and more about how are we thinking about our show we're looking at the actual data because so often i see podcasters who just keep releasing episodes and they only ever look at the download number okay last month i had 5000 downloads the month before that i had 4000 cool the show works that's fine whereas what i'm looking at is cool what episodes are doing the best what episodes are moving people to your email list what episodes are being mentioned when you hop on a sales call with somebody uh, what are the lines from your show? This is one of my favorite things is when I get on a consulting call and somebody will just sort of parrot back to me verbatim what I said on some show. And it happens a lot because people will be listening to your show before they get on a call with you. And so note the times where people are using your words right back at you. I love when people ask me questions, including language I used in an episode. They're like, well, I know such and such, but how, what does that mean? And what so often we're not looking at those things. We're not looking at those experiences, at those numbers, at that data. We're not looking at the episodes that get people in our inbox, in our DMs, whatever it may be. And so a lot of times when we're looking at up level, it is, right, how do we tweak now? How do we make small changes so that we're getting better results? And so the up level is much more strategic than it is, here's the new microphone you need and here's the here's a much better platform to have interviews in. It's much more, okay, what's working? Let's debrief your show. What is working? What's not working? Both from a putting it together spot, but more importantly, from a results in your business space. And I think that that's, that's a lot of what our, our up-level conversations are around, is just acknowledging that there is data and then actually using it. So a similar question then is, working with lots of podcasters, listening to lots of podcasts, what's the one most common slap your forehead error you see people making on a regular basis? There's no call to action. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> there's 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 too often you, you get them all worked up and you don't tell them what to do next. Podcasts and really any kind of content. This is universally true. This is true of social media. This is true of your email. If, if you're not telling them what to do next, then it wasn't really a good use of their time. And I don't even necessarily mean you're not telling them what to buy. You're not, you're not selling them something. It's not even about that. Every single episode I put out has something for them to do. It could be taking action on literally what I taught them in the episode. And then DM me and let me know how it went. Or email me and let me know how it went. And sometimes it's, okay guys, we've, we've danced around this long enough. You've been listening to the show for a while. <laughs> Let's make real change. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Whatever it may be, but every single episode needs to have something for them to do and you need to tell them what that thing is. 
Okay, for the listener who's making notes, expect some changes. <laughs> this has been really, really useful. And I hope anybody that's listening who's thinking about building their personal brand online, building their network, their authority, their knowledge, and essentially their business, podcasting is such a good option because it, it's, it, it avoids an awful lot of the problems of video and podcast listeners tend to be much, much more attentive. I'm sure you'd agree. I absolutely agree. So if you are thinking, you know what, this podcasting game might be for me, it has my wholehearted endorsement. I'm sure it has Stacey's. Yes. But yeah, don't, I guess, leave it too long. If people want to connect with you, if they want to, yeah, if they want to take things further with you, how would you like them to do that? Absolutely everything we do is over at uncommonlymore.com. That's where you'll find my podcast, which is a great place to start. Uh, it's where you'll find the launcher podcast that we talked about. It's where you'll find the uplevel your podcast when it's released uh, very, very soon. That's where you'll find absolutely every way to connect with me. It's over at uncommonlymore.com. And if they want to connect with you on social media, what's your favorite platform? My favorite platform is Instagram. Uh, I'm a sucker for Instagram stories and Instagram DMs. So you're, they're open. You're more than welcome to head over and drop me a message and chat with me. Uh, I have the most fun talking there. <laughs> Stand by. I'll be there in five minutes. Fantastic. Stacy. you have been an awesome guest. Very, very generous with your knowledge. And I'm really grateful. I need to ask you one question that I have been really good at asking everyone recently. And it's, what's one thing you do now that you wish had started five years ago? I have more calls to action. Mm, I tell people what to do next. (laughs) Stacey, thanks so much for your time. You have been awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Podcasting is one of the most wonderful things I've ever done, hands down. I'm not going to lie. It's enriched my life in more ways than I can tell you. But like anything worth doing... Don't be fooled, it's hard work and eventually you should get some help so you can focus on amplifying your own zone of genius. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already, to join my Facebook group, you'll find it at amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Connect with me wherever you hang out, you'll find me at Bob Gentle and if you do, message me, let me know, that way I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, I would love for you to review it on iTunes, it means so much to me and is the best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Stacey for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And I'll see you next week. Mm